We can't allow any further delay. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 62. Today is Wednesday, July... Whoa, there goes my mic. Today is Wednesday, July 26th. Nothing ever seems to work out according to plan on this podcast, but it's okay. I'm meteorologist Jeff Orzron, joined by meteorologist Katie Suniga. Hey, Katie. Good morning. Got my coffee here. Good, good. And we're also joined by our chief meteorologist, Mark Nelson. Hey, Mark. Yeah, I got my coffee too. It's it's really early for us evening folks, Jeff. And you're like finishing your work day. Right? Yeah, I'm wide awake. Yeah, this is this is like the best time of day for me. I'm like, you know, two coffees deep and ready to go here. Well, I so, get to go both worlds. I get to have that on the weekends and then I have this during the week. <laughs> I sense a little sarcasm there. <laughs> That's right. Put a positive spin on it, right? <laughs> Katie, you're getting lots of exposure. That we, we like that. You need you need to be on different shifts and see how everything works at Fox 12. And so that's my positive yeah. spin on that. Yeah, we'll keep thinking positive. <laughs> yeah, Katie, you were gone yeah. last week. Uh, it looks like I from was. one of your social media posts, you were out at the Oregon coast. Is that right? Yeah, we decided to spend a week in Depot Bay. We've taken our you know our kids to the coast for a couple of day trips and a couple of weekend trips, but we hadn't ever actually taken them there for a whole week and experienced, you know, kind of everything that there is to offer. And then I loved being able to take them to do things that I did when I went to the coast as a kid there. So we took them to my favorite fish and chips place and we took them to Devil's Punch Bowl. We took them to Lighthouse. We took them dune buggy riding and we did some, um, I have a fossil enthusiast. So we went to Beverly Beach and found fossils. And then it was a very typical marine layer morning, sunny afternoon. So we would stay in in the morning and have coffee and play games. And then as soon as things cleared up, go out to the beach, got hot. My son played in the ocean, even though it was cold water, but he was so happy because it was very nice. It wasn't hot, but it was definitely warm enough to get out in the afternoons. It was literally the perfect week for us. Good. All right. Um, That's good. I was out at um, in Seaside a week or two ago and saw my first beached whale, and I felt like, okay, I'm officially an Oregonian now. Oh. Um, oh. It was it was an older one, though. I called the uh, Seaside Aquarium, and uh, they were like, yeah, it's been out there for a month or two, and scavengers have been... <laughs> Ew. Yeah. You know, getting at it. Uh, so yeah, at this point it's like a carcass, hmm. but um, uh, yeah. Uh, how yeah, exciting. Let's, off let's, the list. let's put a positive spin on that. We were able to see tons of whales while we were out there. Probably cool. the most I have ever seen while being at the Oregon coast. And it was every time we went out, we saw them somewhere, no matter where we were up or down. And so my kids were super excited about that, but they were active and really close to the shore. Like really Very cool. Close. We've had a great stretch of weather along the coast. And last week was really warm inland. Um, we had a couple of hot days. and But, man, this week, you know, we started off Monday. We had that weak cold front slide through. Um, there was measurable rain, you know, in parts of northwest Oregon and southwest Washington. Mark, how much did you end up picking up at your house? So I live up in the foothills of the Cascades or Western Gorge, and I had, I think, nine hundredths of an inch. But then okay. right behind me, there's a one of those new PGE fire weather stations – Maybe mm-hmm. about two a mile or two southeast of me, and they had nineteen hundred. So yesterday morning was wet. I rode my bike, and it was still like, oh, it feels like spring, and kind of slow to break up. But th- so that kind of knocks down the fire danger a bit, at least for a few days, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it didn't actually end our dry streak in Portland. We ended up with a yeah. trace. 
which we I think we've done twice now, and I think both happened on a Monday in July. Um, so as of yesterday, our dry streak's at 36 days without measurable rain. Today we'll make it 37, and I see no end in sight to this dry streak. I was thinking the same thing. You know, and then you look back at the records, you think, oh, really dry in July, right? Well, I think if I have that graphic in my head correctly, we've had 10, this will be our 10th July with just a trace of rain. And then there was that one in 1967 where there wasn't even a trace. So it's not unusual, right. actually. What is that? That's one out of eight Julys will have no no measurable rainfall. So it is our driest time of the year. So um, luckily, we can make that up, that average of a half inch in the month of July. We can make that up in half a day in October easily. So it doesn't really matter much yeah. other than it's pretty dry. <laughs> I'm enjoying this dry for a little while, so don't remind me. <laughs> oh, it'll be back, Katie. Don't you worry. The rain I always know. comes back. No, it's just been so lovely. And the best part about it here, and you guys will, will be talking about this, is here on the west side of the Cascades in July and August when it's dry, it's not smoky. Where when I was in central Oregon, it would be those nice summer days, but you got smoke. And so you couldn't even go outside and enjoy it because it was terrible air quality. Right. We have, I, I don't think we've had a single episode of significant smoke in the month of July. Oh, in the Portland area for at least 20 years. It's usually pretty good air quality in July. When we get the smoke things, smoke episodes, it's usually, you know, later August or September. Yeah, but it's just yeah, nothing like we had to deal with over there. <laughs> that that fire up, that, that paper mill fire up in Longview did bring us a little bit of smoke briefly. Right. That was, like half, that was about half the metro area. But, you know, that was not a wild land fire necessarily or wildfire. No. But, um, having said that, and we're going to get kind of more into detail regarding some of the fires burning up here in Oregon and Washington, but... There are some really smoky spots this morning. Um, I know over the weekend I covered uh, for Katie. Katie was at the Oregon coast and, um, you know, we had a fire that broke out on the Warm Springs Reservation and then we had the fire that's still going. Actually, I think that one's still going in. Obviously, the one, the Newell Road fire is burning up in um, the Columbia River Basin. But Shauna Parsons was out um, in central Oregon and reached out and said, what is going on? It's so smoky out here. She was at Lake, Lake Simtustis and. Oh, I mean, yeah. un unfortunately, mm -hmm. I mean, this time of year, if you, it, between now and even like mid-September, late September, if you have plans to be in or east of the Cascades, anywhere in Oregon or Washington, you kind of need to be prepared for smoky days, right? Yeah, yeah then they're, they're canceling so. um, kids' events for summer activities, outdoor stuff. It happens; it's already happening this year when they have like climbing classes and outdoor activities. They've already started canceling them, which happens frequently. It's tough, but it's just kind of the way things go these days. And so we'll, we'll talk more about, you know, wildfires and things in a few minutes. But let's let's kind of reflect on how this month has been going so far. Um, this week, with that cooler day, Saturday, or Monday, we had a high of 77. And then yesterday, our official high was 80. So not too bad, actually slightly below average for this time of year. I ran the numbers, guys, this morning through the first 25 days of the month. And mm -hmm. this is actually technically the second warmest July on record. And we're only four tenths of a degree off from tying through the first 25 days. Um, Mark, does, you look like you're. Uh, yeah. Doesn't it seem surprising? Cause when I looked up that number, it was on Sunday. I think when I, when I looked it up and I'm like, what at that point it was number one or number two. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, it hasn't been that hot. I mean, it's been consistently warm, but then I, right. I just, then I looked at each day, you know, kind of looked through the whole month and I'm like, well, I guess it's just a lack of uh, in many Julys. 
we start cool. That first, you know, week of the month, 4th of July might be like 75 degrees, lows around 50. But we started with hot weather and a heat wave right away at the beginning of July. So I guess it's just been consistently warm to occasionally hot, right? So it's, it's been just constantly very warm or hot. But we haven't had extremes, right? We haven't had 100. I don't That's think we've right. been above 98, right? Yeah. I made the comments actually this morning on Good Day Oregon, Mark. Um, and when you look at each individual day, we've had a lot of nights at and above 60 right. degrees. And I think that's really playing into it. Um, when you combine that with a lot of days, I think we've only actually had, let's see, six days below average for that given date. The rest, right. so 19 days, have featured very warm or hot afternoons, mild to warm nights. Um, so combine the highs and lows, average them out, and we're running at about almost 74 degrees. Um, While we're talking... Out. I'm going to I'm going to hop on what we're talking. If you hear the little keyboard, uh, I want to see. So the maximum temperature, what's the average maximum temperature? You know, it's just Good the question. highs only to see how the lows are affecting. So if you hear me like not yeah. ignoring you, you just continue on talking here. We'll see. Well, what I was going to ask a question is because we've had two, three day runs of 90 degree days this month, the one in the beginning and then the one that we just had about a week ago um, in your guys' experience. Cause again, this is my first July forecasting here. Do we normally have multiple runs like that? Is that abnormal? I don't think so. We've actually, we've had longer runs as well. Um, Cause yeah. I remember coming off of the big heat wave in 2021, we had the extreme, extreme temperatures. And then we had that long stretch at and above 90 heading into July. Um, but yeah, Katie, oftentimes we don't really see uh, a high-pressure system stall out and leave us. As with... long as it has. Right, yeah. And, man, while Mark is looking up some of those numbers, this is all linked to that big heat ridge that's building across the southwest, the southern plains, yeah. just basically extending across much of the United States. And I was looking – this is pretty mind-boggling stuff. Phoenix has experienced a high temperature every day this month at and above oh. 110 degrees. And wow, I think the last, if I'm not mistaken, the last 17 mornings or overnights have oh, been yeah. at, and above, at and above 90, 90 degrees. Yeah. So their average Jeez. temperature, high and low, averaged out, their average temperature this month, I believe, is almost 103 degrees. Um, so Phoenix is experiencing That's their disgusting. hottest July on record. Las Vegas average temperature is 97. Their heat hasn't been quite as extreme. Um, so yeah, this heat ridge has been nasty. Uh, and oh. then, I mean, it, it, if it moved just to the Northwest, we would be right in it again, but right. we, we've kind of been right on the edge, which has been, you know, a saving grace for us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we're nowhere near that stuff. And I'm glad the big H hasn't come up over us. I keep saying that on air, like, okay, the big area of high pressure, we're not getting a heat dome over us, which is, which is great. Hey, okay, here are the numbers. So for July in Portland, if you just take the average high temperature, hottest ever was 2018. We averaged 87.5 for a high that month. We are number four at 86.5. So there are three other years. 1985 is kind of a bellwether one that was hotter, and so was 2015. But here's another way to look at it because, you know, we can slice and dice the data all we want, right? Um, this one, 90-degree days, we're at number 14. Okay, so we had seven 90-degree days so far this month. Uh, we probably won't have any more. We've had 
2018, we had 15 days. 2009, we had 14 days. 2022, last year, we had 12 days at or above 90. That's why last July would seem hotter. So maybe that explains it. We've had many more 90 degree days, but we've had consistently warm, like lots of 80s this year. Did you I list off 2021 it. by chance? Was 2021 on that list? Uh, Not at all. Oh, huh. Oh, it's 22, number 22. Uh, we only had six wow. days at or above 90. So it must have been like the end of that heat wave coming off of like the extreme heat late. That's right. Because didn't it finish on the 29th or 30th of June? Wasn't it, isn't that when that heat wave was? The 30th? It was, it was in June. I think up. it was 26th, yeah. 27th, and 28th was when we went 108, 112, 116, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And then yeah, it but, kind of yeah. it kind of gradually started cooling down, but it was still very warm or hot for a, for a long streak. So that's your climate July climate report right there. So it's been hot, <laughs> consistently hot, but it may not seem as hot as it has been because we haven't had extreme heat. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I like it. My happy yeah. place. <laughs> so on that note, I'm obviously we're teasing ahead to fire stuff because I think that's on a lot of people's minds right now. Um, let's talk about the forecast. Um, so based off of some of the overnight models that I was looking at, and I, I know – all of us are kind of weather nerds, so we've been looking at these models for several days, even if it was our weekend. Um, that heat ridge <laughs> is something that we're keeping an eye on because the closer it gets to us, the warmer our temperatures will be, and the farther away it is, then the cooler will be. And so we're kind of going to be in that Goldilocks zone, cooler trough to the northwest, warmer ridge to the southeast. Um, so really stable, steady pattern um, expected for the next five to six days. Oh, Mark's bringing up, um, I believe, an oh, upper yeah. level. If I had to guess, either an upper level pattern or an ensemble. Yep, ensembles. Okay. It's the Euro go. ensemble. There um, you go. You can kind of see there's a little bit of a ramp up next week. It looks like the ridge edge is a little closer. Is that fair to, fair assessment there? Yeah. It's just the Euro ensemble. This is the 50 different members of the European ensemble from last night. Um, and then let me pull up the other one. So that, that just shows the average of all the ensemble members And this one. Can you, I know you By can't the way, see these wait, very wait, well wait. Uh -oh. for the people, for the people that are not watching that are right. listening. Right. Uh, Mark, Mark is showing that the Portland Metro area between today, which is Wednesday, the 26th and about mm -hmm. Monday or so we should be between about 80 to 85 degrees, 80 to 84. We'll call it. Right. Um, and then about Tuesday and Wednesday, things should start to ramp up in terms of the heat. Yeah. And just so, so in case you're wondering up, if not much. Oh, yeah. yeah it's just a little, it's only high eighties. That's the well, ensemble app. That's the ensemble average. So we'll yeah. see how yeah. it goes. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say that. So you folks, if you're most of us, and including me, I, I listen to the podcast. I generally don't watch it. We have it on Fridays. We always put this podcast. Uh, it's at 2 PM on our Fox 12, um, um, now, now channel. It's a digital channel. You can get it on our app or on the website. So it's always there. And also we have uh, – you can find uh, – when you look for our podcast online within the weather section at kptv.com, there's not only just the audio podcast, but there's the video version just below it. So if you're sitting at work, you could actually watch it, I suppose. And if um, you're a YouTuber, it's on YouTube as well. Yeah, true. So here's another chart. So this is all those ensemble members. And this, this will be hard to see, but I'll just explain what you're seeing. Um, this just shows each day left to right, the maximum temperature, I guess, every six hours for that matter. But the, the big picture here is all 50 members. Each, each, each member is a horizontal line the next two weeks. 
And you, what you notice, if you just look, see the dark colors that kind of appear halfway through when you're going Mark. from left to right? Mark, yes. That graphic is not it. popping up. So, oh. oh, I know how, I know what I need to do. I really messed things up, didn't I? So you're okay, not really still, seeing it. <laughs> we're yet. still getting used to this whole graphics thing in the podcast. It's, so yeah. it's a nice Thank addition, though. I like being able to have it yeah. visible totally. for, for us to talk about and see those data points. Yeah. Let me... A weather geek, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have to share a different window here. I see. Now I just learned. There we go. It should pop up in a second or two. But basically, when we when we look at our ensembles, oh, um, you can see uh, some dark colors start appearing about halfway through when you're going from left to right. Can you see it now? Did it pop yep. up? Yeah. And just these dark colors start to appear. Um, and then you can't see it, I'm sure, from home or even on YouTube. But when we look at these maps, we, these charts, you can see the Euro, a few ensemble members try to go for 95 or 100, you know, sometime next uh, middle of next week or beyond, but not many. So we'll see. We'll see. Did you guys see the GFS yesterday? I know Jeff did because he texted me. He was very yeah. excited. <laughs> yeah. I did, mean, it, we did talk about that yesterday, Katie, right? The GFS? No. Uh -huh. Was it the 18Z or the 12, or was it the night before? Whatever it was, <laughs> I forget. We can, we can look through, but basically it showed a, a 606 decameter high, upper high centered over South Central Oregon, which would be like 110, 112, whatever. Just a massive heat dome, really intense. It's like very unrealistic. It was only one operational run. The next run didn't look like that, and almost uh -huh. all of its ensemble members did not look like that, and that's why we use these ensembles quite a bit. So that's yeah. a good use of them. Instead of saying, putting out a forecast that says, hey, it'll be 112 next Thursday, that's why we use the ensemble members. Yeah. yeah. Not a smart idea to stick to a G uh, an operational run, you know, 10-plus days out. It doesn't usually work huh. out. Oh, come yeah. on. True. <laughs> um, but so let's see. I, I would plan on maybe at least – let's say a couple of days in the nineties, uh, mid to late week. I think that's reasonable. Um, yeah. And the unfortunate part about that is Mark, if it's possible, could you bring up the upper level pattern for, let's just call it Wednesday or so of next week, Wednesday, Thursday, sure. Friday. Yeah, I can get um, there. And I can help kind of visual, help you guys visualize if you're just listening from your car or something along those lines. Imagine a heat dome. You kind of understand what that looks like. It's a circular high-pressure system that can extend across a handful of states. We'll just call it from California to Texas and maybe extending all the way up to Canada over the Intermountain West. So big heat dome. Um, oftentimes when – well – Every time when that system kind of works its way west, you got to remember that the air rotates clockwise around high pressure systems. So the mid to upper level wind often comes out of the south when these things kind of work their way back west. And I think about the wind pattern at this time of year because we have fires often burning to our south. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the way that things are trending mid to late week of next week, we've had great air quality in Northwest Oregon and Southwest Washington, hardly even many hazy days, but under that kind mm -hmm. of weather pattern, which Mark is kind of gradually pulling up right now, um, that southerly flow tends to bring more haze, more smoke up into Northwest Oregon and Southwest Washington. So we could find ourselves mm -hmm. mid to late week as we warm up, we could also have more smoke in the sky. And I'll tell you, that makes for a very tricky forecast this time of year. If there's a lot of smoke, but we're expecting highs in the nineties, it can affect how warm we get, um, true, less, less surface heating. Um, so 
yeah, as long as those fires are active, which we're going to get into in a second, yeah, they, it could get a little bit smoky, at least a little bit hazy. Um, so Mark is pulling this out to – we've got the GFS. Oh, Good. this is the latest run. Why don't you bring up 6E? I don't know if this is going to go out far enough. Yes, sir. Here we go. 6E <laughs> incoming. There we go. Yeah, so that's that's at the end of this week, and you just see we're in a southwesterly flow. Height's a little below average, right? That's pushing the smoke off into – you folks are right. seeing haze and smoke in central and eastern Oregon. The wind is coming out of the southwest to the northeast. Mm -hmm. It's pushing the smoke across the Cascades and off east of the Cascades. So when Mark extends this out to about mid to late week of next week, you see that dome of high pressure that's centered over the four corners uh, potentially working its way right back there. west. Yep, And then um, the wind follows those isobars parallel to the isobars, and so – um, as a result, we could get that southerly flow, and unfortunately, we will it could see. bring. Yeah. We'll hmm. see. Yeah, of course, possibly. That's still a ways out. So, um, we yeah. will see. Yeah. Why don't we talk about the fires? Because I know that's on a lot of people's minds. People are kind of traveling around for the summertime. Uh, Mark, you had some numbers that you brought up, and I do. I think the the ones that I think we should focus on are the Newell Road fire, which is up right. in east east of Goldendale, Clickitat County up in South Central Washington. We'll talk about the Bedrock Fire east of Eugene and the Willamette National Forest and then the Flat Fire in uh, the Rogue River, Siskiyou National Forest. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I use this tool. This is great. Every morning, the uh, Northwest Interagency Fire, or Northwest, I think they're Interagency Fire Center, but uh, the Coordination Center, I should say. They put out a morning briefing. It's great. Comes out about 7 a.m. each day. Uh, they did bump us up the Pacific Northwest to level three for preparedness level. Five is the maximum, so they went from two to three. That's kind of a big deal. So that just says, okay, now fire activity, either if fire activity is picking up or they expect it to. Um, and um, the good news is we don't have a huge amount of fires just raging out of control at the end of July, which we have seen in the past. Um, we've got um, – what do we have? Technically, we have six large ones in Oregon, three large in Washington. That's 100 acres or more. Um, but I like to go down here. There's incidents uh, – if you go to that uh, morning briefing – you look at the the ones that have really grown in the last 24 hours. They always show acreage increase the past 24 hours. And it's the Bedrock Fire has gained. That's the one in east of Eugene putting off a lot of smoke in the Cascade foothills there east mm -hmm. of Eugene. 6,000 acres now gained 3,000 in the last 24 hours, even with that Thanks. system that moved through. And every once in a while, maybe that's a two-day growth. But um, the point is it's gained a lot. So that's putting off tons of smoke. And then the... Um, the other one, oh yeah, the Newell Road fire. That one's been there quite a while now. The uh, Clickitat County out there in the rangeland of uh, South Central Washington. That one has been slower to grow recently. It's it's gained about three thousand acres, but it's it was fifty thousand acres two or three days ago. It's still at fifty nine thousand. And I noticed yesterday there wasn't much smoke coming off of it. This morning there's a little. Hopefully they get it hemmed in, and the wind should be a little more reasonable. They went through you know the strong west wind a couple yeah. days ago, and they made they made it without you know really exploding. And then, uh, oh, the Flat Fire, Southwest Oregon, that's kind of in mainly uninhabited areas, but uh, 23,000 acres. So I guess if you take Oregon, the last 24 hours, we've gained about three, six, about 8,000 acres. So that's a respectable amount of acreage, out, mostly out of those three fires. That's it. Well, and we got to remember that the third fire, I made the mistake over the weekend of saying, because it's so close to the border, that that Newell Road fire is actually in Washington as opposed to Oregon. Oh, I saw that. Boy, someone just ripped you a new one on, was it? email or was it on twitter i think Jeez. twitter yeah yeah it's like oh. it is so you, not in oregon. oregon oh okay i missed that. i knew it it was just a quick mistake it's okay um well wait so, you caught me jeff what did i do 
Didn't I name the Newell Road fire the flat fire and then tweet that out? <laughs> oh, attention to detail, folks. Attention to detail. Yeah. And I did yeah. it. Um, yeah. That that Newell Road fire, though, from the, the strong westerly winds, I think it went from like 6,000 acres Friday when it broke out. They recorded 6,000 acres burn Friday evening to like 20-something thousand acres Saturday. Right. It was just jumping like crazy. And um, those poor folks out – uh, near I-84, out in Click Attack County, they just, they've had it rough. I mean, it's been threatening a lot of homes. I think it has actually burned a lot of properties. And um, yeah, as long as we have that westerly wind, it's a tough firefight. That's more of a vegetation grass fire. Rangeland. Yeah. Or, or yeah. boy, a lot of energy infrastructure there. You look, it's across the river from Arlington and you see all the um, the wind farms and the, I guess there's solar farms too there, which I didn't oh, know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was... They listed that it was threatening solar, wind, farms, um, a uh, a landfill, um, a gas right. pipeline. There's like a lot going on out there. So obviously <laughs> we're watching that one. But that that bedrock fire east of Eugene, north of Oak Ridge, has been putting out a ton of smoke. And um, Oak Ridge, man, was it just last year that Oak Ridge was dealing yep. with all that smoke? They had like days and days and days worth of poor air quality. Um, that Cedar Creek so, fire, remember that? They had an easterly wind and it came came close to the city during an east wind event, maybe in August. Yeah, it came close yeah. close to them. Katie, we we like, you know, we think about, you know, August, September. That's when we tend to have you know, we don't necessarily see it often, but we have more like a higher likelihood of seeing that east wind pick up. Um potentially like a dry cold front coming into the interior northwest. And it's worrisome to have fires in the Cascades heading into that part of the season because that's right. when it can start to work its way west. We think back to, you know, the big firestorms in 2020. Uh, that's kind of mm. hopefully we don't have anything like that happen. Man, that was like a freakish wind around Labor Day. Um, yeah, that was so, awful. Uh, yeah, that, that that's going to be producing probably quite a bit of smoke, that bedrock fire, as long as it's going. So that could, you know, drain into the Cascade foothills and down into mm -hmm. central Oregon. That's our favorable wind pattern. The flat fire has been burning for a couple of weeks now, at least, down in extreme southwest Oregon. And I think about anybody that's traveling to and from California, um, they they could be impacted by the smoke if that's an active fire. But, Mark, that hasn't grown a ton over the past couple no. of days. Am I correct? Okay. Yeah, it's just kind of puttering along. Well, I shouldn't say puttering along, but that one, yeah, 500 acres. But, you know, that's in an area that's had so many fires in the past, the Siskiyou's uh, huge fires. And so we'll see what that does. I think it's also bumping up against uh, other fire scars, which tends to slow it down. If you got fresh green trees, it's a bit different. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think everybody's kind of sitting on pins and needles at this point. Let's hope that we don't have more fires break out leading into, mm -hmm. you know, the driest and warmest time of the year. We're basically there right now, but, um, you know, our population zones have largely stayed clear of bad air quality and big fires. Go ahead, Mark. Oh, no, that was it. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. That oh, was yeah. a hands up. It was a fingers crossed. Oh yeah. <laughs> fingers were crossed. I wasn't giving you a message like speed up. No, that was a fingers <laughs> crossed message. Yeah. Katie, Katie, and I'm sure you, you understand like, uh, just, you know, your decade that you lived in, in central Oregon. Um, you know, it's, we take this air quality, this good air quality for granted. It's tough to be in the mid to late summer in that part of the state um, with ongoing smoky conditions. 
Yeah, and it just felt like there, it didn't matter where the fire was, somehow the smoke got funneled to us. Like whether it was coming from the Southwest or the Northwest or whatever, it seemed like wherever there was a fire, unless it there wasn't a direct like zonally flow, if it came from anywhere, we just got funneled and we would get smoke from everywhere, whether it was Oregon, California, Washington. It was just, it's, it's really unfortunate the way the wind patterns impact the smoke there. And it just sits all August. Like it didn't just, it's nasty. Imagine yeah, what will happen if, uh, imagine what will happen if South sister wakes up and you, they start getting volcanic ash every day and bend. Is that too, oh, Mark, is that too once dark? A year, once a year, we get a, we get a dark volcanic joke from Mark and it will stir up some, someday sure some people will reach out. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. Mark his, you know, dark secret is he really wants to see a volcanic eruption around here somewhere. I'm not going to say where, but I'm big into uh, volcanoes. Well, I like volcanoes. So yeah, I have, I, I have yeah. one that's right there with you. Mark asks me all the time, isn't it active? Isn't it active? When is it going to go mom? That's funny. So, I tried to um, remind him. It's not always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So Katie, uh, you had a great suggestion a few weeks ago to, to start a weather term of the week. And we, we started that last week. In fact. Um, oh, yay. Oh, I missed it. Last, what was the term? Last week was inversion. Camilla's oh, favorite. Oh, that one. <laughs> this week we have a new term. Uh, this week's term is wind shear. Oh. oh, I love that one. Oh, I have um, a funny video that I showed Mark where I did a little TikTok video explaining how wind moves with a big fan. And uh, do you remember me showing that one? So we were yeah. talking about that to to kind and explain how wind moves, and, and it was one of my very few viral TikTok videos. <laughs> you gotta have one. Everybody liked. Everybody likes seeing my hair go all over the place. That's right. You've got the hair for it. That's good. Good. You know, yeah. I figure we talk about, you know, uh, surface level smoke and mid to upper level smoke. And why does the smoke go in one direction, but at different levels in the atmosphere, it goes in another direction. I figured this week would be a good time yeah. to explain what wind shear is. So let me read you the exact definition, and then we can kind of just break it down the way we understand it. Wind shear is a change in wind speed and or direction over a short distance. It can occur either horizontally or vertically and is most often associated with strong temperature inversions or density gradients. So the way, and you guys, I want, I want you to add like the way that you kind of interpret it, but I always think about the atmosphere as like a layered cake. So you have different right. levels in the atmosphere. It's not just one level and we don't have, you know, the same things going on across the entire atmosphere. And so at different elevations, not only do you have different wind speeds, most often the higher you go up in elevation, the stronger the wind is. We call that speed shear. Um, but you also have a change in directions. The wind is, let's say the wind is coming out, out of the south, down in Portland. Right. But then you go up a thousand feet above Portland and the wind is coming out of the southwest. And then every elevation that you go up, it changes direction. So we call that directional shear. Um, and it's important to understand wind uh, for various reasons for, let's say for pilots for flying, or if you're forecasting for thunderstorms, um, certain wind um, profiles can be more favorable for a supercell thunderstorm to form as mm -hmm. opposed to just a single cell thunderstorm. So um, do you guys have anything to add regarding wind shear? 
I do. Katie, do you have something or no? Because I got first. a few thoughts. Oh, I was going to say uh, we in our area, I think of wind shear one way is in the winter time, which we regularly have a wind shear at PDX where uh, we have, let's say, a southerly flow or southwesterly flow overhead because, you know, weather systems are coming in across the from off the Pacific. And yet we'll have an easterly wind blowing out of the gorge in the lowest like thousand or two thousand feet. So pilots would be coming down. Uh, you know, westerly, westerly, southwesterly, and all of a sudden the wind would switch down in those lowest two thousand feet. That's one example. Um, also, we thought that was that'd be a directional shear, right? But we have uh, there's a, sometimes a speed shear in the when we kind of uh, spring fall could happen in the winter too, where like you said, it's a little faster overhead. And uh, National Weather Service uh, meteorologists have thought that one reason it's possible Clark County, we see more tornadoes there, it seems like, than other places, that um, speed shear, wind comes over the top of the West Hills, the Tualatin Mountains, there's kind of that ridge. Um, and when it descends down into the flatlands uh, along the Columbia River and then into Clark County, that it may, it may produce kind of rolls. Um, um, it's faster up above, slower below, maybe produces these rolls that get lifted up into a thunderstorm or a heavy oh. shower. And that way you get some a little extra spin maybe. So they think that could be a speed shear sort of situation. So that would be just two examples right there that I could think of. That's fun. The only thing I was going to think of is, is we, you know, if people want a visual idea of what this would look like is we'll often post um, those time-lapse videos either at the coast or across right. Mount Hood. And we'll see, you know, clouds going, if, if I remember right, like we'll see some clouds right. going, you know, to the east. And then you look just above the mountain and they're coming out of the northwest and you can visually see them passing in different directions. That's great. Yes. Really see that too at the coast. And so anytime we capture one of those, I like to show people this is why we pay attention to not only the surface, but we show you those upper level maps because this is a very clear visualization of how the wind can go this way, that way, this way, that way, in different directions at different levels. And I bet we get more directional shear over land because uh, as we see, like when air comes in off the ocean in the winter, mm -hmm. it's if it's at the coastline, it's a, a, a westerly breeze or southwesterly. By the time that air is kind of forced up kind of through terrain north and south, like along the I-5 corridor, it might be most of the time it's a southerly wind here in the valleys. And yet you get more of a southwest or westerly wind at the coastline. So uh, you would, at the coastline, it might be mainly uniformly southwest all, all the way up through the atmosphere. But yet in the valleys, it'd be southerly down below, but more westerly above. That happens mm -hmm. quite a bit. I mean, it doesn't affect our, for regular people like you folks watching. And even for us, it doesn't affect us much except in certain situations. So we would rarely talk about that on TV. We only say wind shear if, you know, we get a tornado, for example. And I'll add one more thing before we, we wrap this up. One of the main reasons why the wind speed is often or most often um, weaker at the surface down in the lowest parts of the atmosphere is because the air is interacting with land and mm -hmm. the surface friction tends to slow mm -hmm. down the air. Right. Um, and, and the air can be a little bit more chaotic, especially on a warm, sunny day. If you think about uh, a hot air balloon, when you warm up the hot air balloon, it rises. Um, the air is creating thermals, these like invisible little circulations. We call them eddies. If you think, if you think about when you take off on a warm, sunny day uh, on an airplane, it's really bumpy. It's turbulent. That's because you're kind of riding over those thermals. Um, you have a lot of interaction at the surface, uh, surface friction. And, um, so it can be chaotic and it also can be much slower than the wind above, which decouples from the atmosphere, the lowest parts of the atmosphere. And uh, jets love to ride on that jet stream because they can they can really, you know, reduce their amount of airtime and also um, it's more efficient. Um, so 
Anywho, uh, so that is wind shear. Yeah. Hopefully you all took something from that. And uh, now when you watch a time lapse that Katie shows you Saturday morning, you'll understand why the clouds are moving one direction and another. She'll have a great time lapse, I'm sure. Ready to go. I'll, I'll be watching for one. We just need the clouds. <laughs> Small <laughs> detail. Yeah, that would help. Uh, yeah. So that about wraps up our podcast here, episode 62. Um, we're going to be back next week uh, with more. Hopefully we're not covering too extreme of heat, but I would anticipate a warm-up around Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, and we have plenty of newscasts, so make sure you tune in for that. We'll be airing this podcast Friday at 2 o'clock, Fox 12 now. It will also be live on all the podcast platforms uh, shortly, probably by this evening. Um, so we appreciate you always tuning into the Fox 12 Weather Podcast, and we'll be uh, chatting with you next week. Until then, have a great one. Weatherman, weatherman, we can't allow any further delay.